Dude, uh, World Hockey Report blocked me on Twitter last night. Why? Gretzky had it, lost it. Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman moving. Blue line chance. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Puck Puck Pass, and these are your hosts, the hockey know-it-alls, KJ and Zach Mack. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Puck Puck Pass. As always, I'm your host, KJ, joined by the heavily hungover Zach Mack. How are you doing this morning, man? Oh, yeah, I'm doing much better than I was two hours ago, I'll tell you that much. What was your go-to? How'd you you recover? Um, Donut, well, coffee is usually my go-to. Man, I was just so hungry, so I just went to Krispy Kreme. I was like, I'm going to get donuts and coffee. And then grabbed that, and on my way back home, passed a McDonald's and just the greasy <laughs> burger, and I was like, I got to get that. So I stopped in there, and so bits and pieces of everything. That's that's fair. I'm usually a hash brown eggs and breakfast meat and just throw that all together, do like a little hangover scramble. Yeah, I used to, and I used to be able to plan my hangovers, but now it's like, I don't, and I told you uh, before we got on air that I wasn't planning to drink, and that's like, I don't, I don't, I just don't drink very often anymore, so these hangovers just sneak up on me. Yeah, apparently as I, you know, wait around like a woman in a lighthouse (laughs) for you to wake up and record this episode, but we're good. Uh, We actually have a new uh, kind of plan i guess for these saturday episodes we don't want it to be so segmented we don't want it to be so organized all the time we're going to organize the topics and everything but we're just going to kind of go with the flow we're going to gather stuff throughout the week that we want to talk about um it's not going to be 100 percent hockey every second of every saturday episode you might hear some dogs barking in the background you might hit one of us hit a bong there's a lot of things but <laughs> it's it's going to be a much more I guess you could say it's a it's a true Saturday episode. Yeah, I was it's gonna not say I like the, a work week episode. It's, yeah. it's Saturday. It's weekend vibes. Exactly. So if it, you know, we're gonna try this out. We hope you guys like it. If you don't, obviously, I'm sure you'll tell us, or at least the analytics of this podcast will tell us whether or not you like <laughs> it. Uh, but we just, I mean, we want you guys to be able to relax. I mean, this is weekend listening. You know, a lot. You know, a lot of times this episode doesn't make it uh, unread, as you know in this case till Monday. So it'd be some easy weekend listening. Maybe throw us on in the background and, uh, you know, let us, let us know if you like it. Uh, but first things first, this episode, of course, the the first episode we want to do this, we do have something to get to. That's really important. Uh, Oscar Lindblom has been diagnosed uh, with a rare bone cancer called Ewing's sarcoma. It grows in the bones or around the soft tissue around the bones. And it primarily affects children and young adults. Uh, a lot of what I've read about this is that it's very treatable, almost curable. I only saw that a couple places, but it he's uh, he's obviously going to miss the rest of the season. Uh, he's going to undergo some more testing and evaluation next week uh, as he begins treatment. But you know, we just wanted to say we're standing with Oscar Lindblom, Lindblom, Oscar Strong, everything that's going on on Twitter. This is this is really sad news, but. You know, we obviously wanted to address it. Yeah, man, cancer sucks, and it's we see enough, you know, injuries 
in the NHL that are hockey related. And it's just, it's so much tougher when you come across these. Yeah. I mean, there's the, if there's a good thing about this, it's that Chuck Fletcher's statement, the Flyers' statement, a lot of the players, reporters, everyone who's had a say on this has mentioned getting back to full health and get in, in as far as that's a real possibility. So we're hoping that that is the way this goes. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I never took any college classes pertaining to oncology, but a lot of people seem to have a positive outlook once you get past the this is cancer part of it. So you know, we're obviously praying for Lindblom and, and hope this he can overcome this as quickly as possible. Yeah, flyers or not, we're all standing with Oscar Oscar Lindblom. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Uh and now the rest of the episode is just a free for all. So what do you want to talk about? Taylor Hall, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, let's I mean, uh, yeah, you mentioned it to me. I think it's let, yeah, let's talk about Taylor Hall. I mean, everyone else is, so let's go into it. Uh, let's just start Let's start with the obvious. Where do you think he's going to end up? Uh, I mean, Luke told me, or Luke schooled me yesterday and said that Arizona seems to be a hot topic, which um, I know we were talking about St. Louis and Colorado as options, but I didn't. I never really thought about Arizona. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think he makes that team better, and obviously they're a good team already. I don't, I, I don't know how Taylor Hall feels about going to Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. That, that came out of nowhere, but I do like that. Uh, I do like the idea of him playing with, with Phil Kessel and Clayton Keller and uh, Oliver Ekman Larson, really giving that team a scoring boost that they clearly need because the goal, I mean, they're probably going to lose one of those goaltenders if I had to guess in this Taylor Hall trade, but I, I mean, I imagine Hall would be okay with it. It puts him in the same division as the Oilers, who he probably wants to beat, if I had to guess, at least yeah. for the sake of the – in terms of making the media write about Taylor Hall scoring a hat-trick against the Oilers or something like that. Uh, the thing the thing with St. Louis, to me, is it's such an obvious answer. And I mentioned, I've mentioned this to a couple people the last couple of days. St. Louis is so obvious that it, it should have happened already. You know what I mean? Like the fact that he's not a St. Louis blue already makes me think he's never going to be a St. Louis blue. Yeah, that's a good point. And honestly, if that, if you're any other team in the West, you're scared of the fact that Taylor Hall could potentially go to the blues. So I could see other teams getting in the mix just to try and avoid that. And I'm actually, I actually, the more I think about it, the more we talk about it, I like the idea of him going to Arizona because something about those small market teams being able to build talent and being relevant just warms my heart. Yeah, which is really important for the Coyotes right now because they're only a year away from being in the Central. Ooh. So if if Taylor Hall with Seattle coming in, Arizona is moving over to the Central, which means we'd have Taylor Hall, Phil Kessel, Patrick Kane, Patrick Laine, Zach Parisi, Ryan Johansson. I mean, we. I mean, the Central would have. I know I'm forgetting obviously all the Avalanche basically, but <laughs> they, the Central would be so loaded with talent. And we'd still be talking about the Metropolitan Division, probably. But it'd be it'd be great for the Coyotes to to go into a new division, a tougher division, with a stronger case for being a good team. Yeah. But what well, now Florida's involved as of this morning too. I saw talks of Florida. Oh really? So that's, is, yeah. that's the first East team I've heard in the mix. Which would just be 
I think devastating for the Atlantic division. I not in the sense that they'll, you know, overtake the Bruins and run away with it. But if they can add another point per game player, they're a much different team than we think they are at this current moment. And I mean, can we agree that if, if Taylor Hall, if, if a trade gets done and he goes to another team, any of the teams we've listed, I think he performs better than he has to this point in the season, just based on the talent he's got around him. I think. I, yes. I always want to say yes in scenarios like that, but have we seen Eric Carlson better as a shark than as a Senator? Injury aside, injuries obviously play a part in that. But sometimes uh, it's t- I, I think, yes. If he goes to a contender, I think we see a better Taylor Hall than we've seen this season. And obviously last season he was he was really hurt. But yeah, I, th- I think we see a much – a Taylor Hall that's closer to Taylor Hall of old than current Taylor Hall. Yeah, I mean, he's his- – Boy, six goals, 19 assists so far. Uh, not putting the puck in the net a whole lot. And actually, nobody on the Devils has 12 goals, and I'm pretty sure John Carlson has 12 goals. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I just think that – and Taylor Hall is able to create plays by himself enough. But I just think if he's got, you know, other people, one or two more pieces that can create plays with him, that I, I tend to think that we could see Taylor Hall blow up if he goes to another team. Yeah, he and he's obviously going. I, I, I don't think it's if nobody really from Friedman to McKenzie to Wyshynski to Lambert, everyone is on board with this. This guy's not going to be a devil for much longer. I mean, he's been held out of the last two games. Yeah, I, I like saw he, that. He's, he's not reasons. playing for the devils because he's so close to getting traded. I At least I. that's what a lot of people what would have to what would, what would have to fall through for for us to be in an unfortunate situation that Taylor Hall is a double for the rest of the year, or is that even like not? I I mean Connor McDavid would have to become a devil. That's the only <laughs> way that they hold on to Taylor Hall. They're they're bad. I mean he's been a point per game player. He's just under this year on this terrible team. Yeah. Last year he had 37 in the 33 games he played. The year before he won the heart, 93 points in 76 games. 93 points it which was like 25 points better than Paul Miri, I think was second place on that team. Yeah, he was and a devils. I mean, yeah, he he literally carried them to the playoffs. I which I think is what led to the injuries last year, if I had to guess. He's 28 years old. You know, you're looking at a guy who you can give a decent sized contract to and still expect a lot of production. I can't imagine any teams are scared of bringing in Taylor Hall and and offering him, you know, the extension and getting him locked up for a while. I just, you know, I go back to the Blues. I'm surprised that's not done already. But having the Panthers involved kind of throws a wrench in it because. I mean, why would he want to be a Florida Panther other than, you know, the the income tax things and Robsky, I guess, in, in terms of making them better? Because Barkov and Huberto and Trocek, like that hasn't changed over the last few years. That's been the Panthers. Mm-hmm. 
So Arizona and Colorado are two, my still top two as far as what I'd like to see and what I think are good options. If you, I mean, if it was up to you and it was like, yep, we're just going to, we're going to trade Taylor Hall up, but KJ gets to pick. Where, where's he going? The Blackhawks. Duh. <laughs> but if I had to pick, if I had to pick from the teams available right now, Oh, there's something about him being on the avalanche that just like, I, that would be exciting. I get goosebumps. Yeah. Like they, can you imagine? Okay. So here's a question though. If he does become, well, well first, who, who would you pick? I would pick a destination. Uh, just because just after we talked about it, I think I'd pick Arizona just, just cause my curiosity. Yeah. So if he, bec- that's not, I, like I said, I like that pick. If he became a Colorado avalanche winger, would you split up that top line? I th- I think I I think I would. I think I would try to do it right away and see how it works. I don't think I would. I don't think I would bring in Taylor Hall, keep that line together, and then break it up later to see if it works. I, I would try it right away, and if it doesn't work, go back. Yeah, because I don't, I don't see how it I'm looking work, at. Honestly. Yeah, I'm looking at. I'm looking at daily faceoff right now. And it has the top line is McKinnon, Donskoy, Burakovsky. And then the second line is Kadri, Ranton, and Landeskog. But I I like the idea of Burakovsky, McKinnon, Ranton, Landeskog, Kadri, Hall. And I'm pretty sure Hall's a left winger. But would you throw out would you would you throw out a power play unit of Landeskog, Ranton, McKinnon, Hall, and Makar? Absolutely. That would be w- so exciting. I wouldn't even think twice. I I mean, yeah, I mean, Kale McCarr is so good offensively <laughs> as a defenseman that, that you couldn't resist doing that. But if, even if it's not Kale McCarr, Samuel Gerrard would be a decent option for that. Like, that power play would be lethal. It it would definitely rival what we see in, in Washington, that's for sure. Yeah. I don't. I mean, it's going to be obviously. I, I feel like we have a few more days of this. I don't think anybody. Uh, we're all expecting it to happen. We got our hopes up when they they held them out of the lineup. You see Friedman and McKenzie start tweeting things and getting everyone's hopes up, and then we start to expect it to happen within the next twelve hours. I think maybe this gets through the weekend, and Sunday night, Monday, we start to see things start to break open and, and Taylor Hall gets moved by the guess. So we're on uh we're on Taylor Hall watch. Yeah. We like, we like, I mean, watch. we're still on Canucks watch. Don't think I forgot. <laughs> There's still Canucks watch, but Taylor Hall watch is in full effect uh, across the league, but you know, you want to get your information from puck puck pass. Uh, so Taylor Hall's good in the Bruins suck right now. Dude, on a five game losing streak. I, I wanted to bring this up because I know you're That's literally what I was going to bring up. <laughs> I know you're living off this right now. Uh, they've lost five in a row. Started by your Blackhawks. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, one of those is an overtime, so they, they aren't pointless over the last five games. The crazy thing is, is they're pretty know, pointless. They, they've lost <laughs> five in a row, and they're still eight points up on the Sabres. Yeah. But. That they've lost to decent teams, I guess you could say. They lost to the Lightning right after we recorded. They lost that game to the Capitals that we were 
watching. They play Florida tonight at 7, another good team, obviously. Uh, Ottawa, that was an interesting loss. Colorado and the Chicago loss in overtime. Yeah, the Ottawa that, loss was wild. Yeah, that that was, and it was that was the start of their their four game road trip, which ends tonight, like you said, in Florida. So, yeah, I, I wonder because it's so not typical of the Bruins this year, and we've been pretty good about giving them praise when they deserve it, and they've deserved it quite a bit. But I, I'm starting to wonder. Maybe I'm overreacting, but you go on a four game road trip and you can't get a point. I mean, their one, like you said, their one point was an overtime loss that was at home. So they have been pointless on this road trip. And it's just, are, is it just like this happens in the course of a season? Or are we worried about the chemistry of the Bruins when they're on the road together? I, I think it is something that happens in the course of a season. But I will say, so you talked about the four-game road trip. They come home on the 17th to play the Kings, which we can probably bet as a win. Should be a gimme, yep. Yeah. But then the Islanders come to town. Then the Predators come to town, who aren't great. Then the Capitals come to town. Then you're at Buffalo. Then you're home to Buffalo. It doesn't really get easier. You know, they start the new year home to bl- the Blue Jackets, so whatever. Then the Oilers come to town. We'll know, no, we'll know more about the Oilers around the time that that game happens because, you know, who knows what we're looking at with these two teams. Winnipeg comes to town at the Islanders. I it's gonna be a, this is a tough month, Cal, or for you know from here to the middle of January, things do not get easier for the Boston Bruins. And as much as I'd like to see them fall apart, I didn't expect it to happen this way. Yeah, and uh, road trip ends tonight, and then like you said, they they come home for a four game homestand, and if they keep losing, then they've got that home and home with Buffalo, like you mentioned, and that's who's second in the division. So if Boston keeps losing that home and home could be big. Yeah. I mean, have you, I've only, I turned on the Capitals game and I turned on the, the lightning game. They were I mean, Steven Stamkos got free a couple times and probably could have had a hat trick, but probably close to an Ovechkin in that game. Uh, they looked really bad defensively. Granted it was the, a back-to-back against Washington and Tampa on the road is probably the toughest back-to-back in the league, if I had to guess. But as close as the Washington game was, I didn't feel like the Tampa game was was 3-2. to two. If you told me it was 5-2, if I didn't see any of the goals, but I watched all the action in between, if you told me it was 6-2, 5-2, 6-2, I wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah, that that's a good point because I watched the – I didn't get to watch the Lightning game, but I watched the Capitals game and – I wasn't uh, I wasn't unimpressed by the Bruins. I just thought it was two good teams battling out, and John Carlson comes out with the winning goal, which is just, I mean, that's fitting for how the season's going for John Carlson. But um, I'm glad you said that because I didn't get to catch the Lightning game, and I wasn't unimpressed by the Bruins, but it sounds like you slightly were in the Lightning game. Yeah, I definitely was, and I've been really unimpressed with David Pasternak. He has one goal in the last five games. He had two assists in the Ottawa game, a goal in the Washington game, nothing else over this five-game losing streak. And it, it's, it's – is it the Bruins go as Pasternak goes? It could be at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talk about this being – I think they get classified as an older team a little unfairly. I think they're younger than people say they are. But there are some old guys who can't really 
you know, probably keep that going for as long as they could. I mean, they were so hot to start the season, not yeah. just Pasternak. There were a lot of pieces really coming together to make Boston what they were. And they're still 27, 27 and six, which is great. That's fantastic. But now they're five points behind Washington for the one seed in the East. Now they're six points behind the Islanders. Now they're, or two points behind, or ahead of the Islanders. I was looking at something else. Uh, Carolina's creeping up on Boston's point total. These are teams that they're, you know, we talked about last episode. These are teams that they're going to have to worry about eventually playing in the postseason. If they start to fall behind now and can pick it up in the second half of the season, that's probably best case scenario. But when you start to see a slump like this from a team that we know is good, you can only speculate as to what the issue is and how long it's going to last. Yeah, because like you said, I mean, they're not hurting by any means, still leading the division by quite a bit. And if it is something that just happens during the course of the season, as a Boston fan, you're, you're happy it happens now and not later. And like you said, if they could pick it up towards the second half of the season, no one will ever remember this five-game losing streak, and it'll just be dust in the wind. So I guess on that hand, you're just you're hoping you know if they figure it out, they come home for those four games, and they're able to snap it together. But you're right. If, if, if it is something intangible that is – creating this losing streak it's you just it could be worrisome if it continues i really don't know yeah and, and to your point about going as david Pasternak goes he's played every game this season like we mentioned there's only he's only has three points in the last five games which is surprising for a guy who has 46 points in 33 games a lot of guys would like three points in five games because they're not good players but david Pasternak is a good player he's also only played 82 games one time so if he is slumping on the ice and then misses some time at any point in the season, you know, if he misses 10 games, you're based on what we're seeing right now from the Bruins, it's not hard to think that they could go two and eight over those 10 games. Yeah, right after I argued with you and I put him ahead of Austin Matthews on my top 10 under 25, he's just done nothing but let me down. And if we did but that I'll- list right now, he'd probably be behind Austin Matthews. I don't know. Yeah, but in fairness, we're talk we're we are talking about the fact that he's not performing, so the Bruins aren't performing. So his importance is definitely still up there as far as you know, I most valuable player, probably not in the discussion for sure. But yeah. if, if 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 it's one of those things where over the course of thirteen games, David Postonok has two goals and six assists, and the Bruins are three and ten. People miss the point of most valuable player. Just because a guy is performing doesn't mean he's a bad player. But if his team starts to lose games when they don't perform, their value goes up. Like, I, I guess people don't understand what most valuable player means because the NFL and NBA have ruined it for them. But it, it, clearly he means a lot to this team. And he's playing 20, 21, and 22 minutes a night in these losses. And and that's why I th- and we've talked about it before how it's just we feel like it's inevitable that Pasternak's going to get injured and he won't play all eighty two games and when he's playing that kind of ice time, you tend to think that's going to happen especially if they're losing you know he's trying to get to the 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 dirty spots the corners a little bit more to try and help his team out and that you get in a little bit of trouble there. Um, but I mean, back to your point about you know people unfairly 
dubbing them as an older team. I was one of those throughout the our episodes this summer. And when we were ranking the Bruins, I, I didn't snub them, but I said this, they, they, they could be in trouble because of how old they are. And you're right. That might, that might be a little unfair because Pasternak's very young. And, and as we're talking about it now, the Bruins go as Pasternak goes. So I think they are a little bit younger than a lot of people realize. You're right. But I just think when, when he's not performing like he is now that, that age shows. Yeah. I, I mean, the other, the only other thing I can think about considering before we move on from Bruins talk, because I'm, I'm withering away the more we talk about them. Yeah. Uh, maybe they just suck. Maybe we were wrong. You know, we can always hold out hope that maybe the Bruins just got lucky for 33 games. I like I that idea. Yeah, I, I love that idea. I just, I know how far from the truth it is. But we, <laughs> can, we, we can hold out hope. Uh, I've got a few things left on my list. Anything anything else sticking out to you? I've, I've got one that I think you'll like. Um, I, I just do want to shout out my Red Wings because I think the last time we talked, they had a negative 62 goal differential and we're up to negative 59 now. So we're getting better. That is good. They had, Oh, I, I do want to talk about this cause I couldn't put it in a tweet and get my point across that game against the Winnipeg jets. The second one, had, the second one. They had three, so they had an empty net goal that was a pretty impressive full ice lob directly into the net. It never touched the ice until it until it was in the back of the net. I didn't see that. But they had like they had goals bounce off the re- or opportunities that were like a bounce off the referee. What they had a breakaway because the referee stood in front of Winnipeg's defenseman. One goal went off the butt. Or like the uh, the pelvis of a Winnipeg Jets defender. I was like, I was watching these highlights. I'm like, oh my god! Literally everything has to bounce the, their way for them to win. And they probably, judging by their tank job that they're doing right now, were upset at the amount of luck that they were getting. <laughs> it was crazy. So I was like, hey, good for the Red Wings finally getting some puck, pucks bounce their way. Meanwhile, Blash was like, stop putting pucks in the center of the offensive zone. We don't need goals. <laughs> yeah, it's, but yeah, good for them. I mean, if we're going to win, I guess that's the way it's got to be. Yeah, if big if, if they're going to win. Um, they're very close in, in the Red Wings defense. They are very close to having 20 points after 33 games. So we're... We're, we're proud of our Detroit <laughs> brethren. I wonder what we talked about how the Bruins last episode, the Bruins and the Caps were on pace for, I think if I remember correctly, you said fifth and seventh best uh, regular seasons of all time. And I just wonder how close the Reddings are to one of the top five worst regular seasons of all time. I, I mean, they're, I think they're approaching worse than the avalanche in like 2012 or whenever it was. I mean, because what are they at right now? They're at eight twenty-two and three. I mean, the Capitals went eight sixty-seven and five. In, eight? They only won eight games. Yeah, oh eight sixty-seven God. and five in seventy-four, seventy-five. The Sharks went eleven seventy-one and two in their inaugural season. Oh no, in their second season. Yikes! Ten seventy and four. So they're. I don't think they're quite a top 10. Well, in 93-94, the Senators went 14-61-9. and 
and the Red Wings are eight twenty two and three. I mean, they they could have been if they they started out three and one, like they won three of their first four games, uh, first two against Nashville and Dallas, which I know Dallas struggled early, but if they didn't start three and one, I mean, they they would be just atrocious. Yeah, well, I can't look at their schedule because they're running an ad on their website, so I'm not. I, yeah, I can't that's click on the smart play by them. Yeah, don't look two, at our schedule. One, yeah, don't look at anything. <laughs> I mean, they at Montreal tonight, home to the Kings tomorrow, home to the Blue Jackets. I don't know. They could they could pick up a couple wins before I mean, the New Year. They, yeah, I mean, enough. I'm, they are. I'm just. I'm getting. De- I'm getting depressed about the Red Wings, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, I'm surprised you're just now getting depressed about the Red Wings, oh, yeah. for, for what it's worth. But you are an eternal optimist. You're the only optimist left on this podcast, so <laughs> that's fair. Uh, if we're doing shout-outs, I want to shout-out Jack Eichel. Because, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, he's been he's been unbelievable. I think he kind of jumped everyone in the, the Hart Trophy discussion, if I had to guess. Because, yeah, he's not doing it completely i mean they're losing to the the islanders as we speak but they are the islanders he's leading the team in goals assists and points he has nine more goals than victor olofsson who is in second on the team who's also a rookie he has eight more assists than olofsson who is also second on the team and he has 17 more points than you guessed it victor olofsson and as this season continues and and they build this resume of maybe being a, a half decent team. They're getting goal, good goaltending, at least from Linus Olmark. Hutton's dropped off a little bit, but maybe that starts to self-correct. Olmark's at two point eight and nine uh, nine sixteen, but Eichel is on a fifteen game point streak. He's got twenty two goals, twenty four assists, and thirty three games. He's staying out of the box. He's got 13 power play points, four game-winning goals, an overtime goal. He's shooting 19%. I mean, everything about this guy says, yeah, I, I said when we did our top 10 that he's never eclipsed the 30-goal mark. He's probably going to tickle 50 goals this year. Yeah. I mean, he's on pace this for is, it. Yeah, this is totally unexpected, not in the sense that he's a good player, but in the sense that he – is solidifying his elite status as every game passes. Yeah, and it's I mean it goes back to the the top ten skaters we did under twenty five. Yeah, you joked about how your list was the right list, and I mean it just I snubbed Eichel. You put him on there, and he's just proving you're right. And I don't want to admit that I'm wrong all the time. I hate doing it, but it seems like your list was better. Yeah, I mean that's to be expected because <laughs> I had to I had to come back from my the Devils are probably a playoff team prediction. So maybe maybe I can cut you some slack on your dis- discounting Eichel in the top 10 under 25. But, I mean, I also have a little bit of extra love for Jack Eichel considering he's an American-born player. Just, an, just another American proving everyone wrong. But he's been unbelievable. He's been And he's so fun to watch. He scored against... Ooh, I'm trying to remember... Was it the Islanders? He scored a goal the other night where he was kind of in the corner and did like one little toe drag esque deke. No, it was the it was the Blues. It was the Blues game, and he like went outside, came back inside, 
barely moved his skates and went top corner. It was the smoothest, cleanest shot I've seen from Jack Eichel and better than a lot of players I've seen this season. He's proven a lot of people wrong and good for him because he's definitely been doubted and, and people were questioning whether or not he was worth the contract he got. Well, yeah, you're convincing me to put the Sabres on my radar. Now, I haven't, admittedly, I haven't watched a ton of Sabres games this year uh, just because they don't excite me. But now, now I think I, I think I got to turn some more Sabres games on. Watch Mr. Eichel. Yeah. And they're, they're on a three-game win streak. They're 5-2-3 and three over the last 10. Like I said, they're down one nothing to the Islanders as we record. Uh, they're back up to plus five. They're really good at home. Struggling a little bit on the road, but I think we're looking at a, at a, a team that might actually stick around for this entire season. I'm not guaranteeing a playoff berth. I'm just saying they're, they had the hot start and then they fell back, and I think they're starting to find their identity. And we talked about Pasternak being the the anchor for, for Boston in the sense that they go how he goes, without a doubt, the the Sabres go as, as Jack Eichel goes. Absolutely. And you talked about MVP meaning most valuable player to your team, and as much as we made an argument for Pasternak, I think Eichel is right there. If you're using that logic, which I absolutely agree with, I, I, Eichel's got to be there. I would, I would hope so. Cause he's one of those guys that, like we said, people lose track of, of what awards mean and, and who's doing what, but Jack Eichel, if he's not in your discussion, he's not on your radar, however you're going to classify it. He, he needs to be, he's, he's at least earned that much. Cause yeah, like I said, he is American. So he's probably not getting too many heart votes, but yeah, We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, well, I'm just looking at the standings. Yeah, well, I mean, since since we're doing some, you know, just easy talk here, and I, I spit a little bit about the Red Wings, do you want to talk about how you feel about the current state of the Blackhawks? I mean, they're not three-game losing streak, but... Oh, are they? I hadn't noticed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they're they not good. I, I, think, I think I've come to terms with it. 30 points in 32 games. Just... Just not good. Kirby Doc has has looked good from time to time. That's what I was waiting for. And they're for. not releasing him to go. I saw that play for Canada, which I don't love because they don't have a lot of a lot to play for. But maybe I don't think Jeremy Colleton is a coach of the future. I don't think they're making any changes throughout this season because they, you know, they fired a coach around this time or earlier in the year last year with. Quenville, yeah. I almost forgot. His name. I wanted to call him the mu- I wanted to call him the mustache, and then I remembered that's not his actual name. <laughs> uh, they got rid of Quenville last year. There were questions about Colleton uh, as last season played out and going into this year. I think it's pretty clear he's not uh, who they need. I don't know who they need. I can't. I can tell you they definitely don't need Babcock, Peters, Montgomery, or DeBoer. But other than that, I don't know. I mean, if they had decent goaltending, DeBoer might be a good option. But it, as long as they have Patrick Kane and Kirby Doc starts to play well, maybe Seabrook, Keith, Taves, and anyone else who's on a terrible contract retire. And they can I – mean, it's just not – there's not a lot to be excited about because of the contract situations and 
Uh, I'm really glad you brought this up because I'm I'm looking out my balcony just thinking if that fall would kill me. <laughs> right. Well, I'm as an outsider. I mean, I'm a little concerned about the. I mean, I guess maybe there's a lot of expectations, but Alex DeBrinket's performance so far, and is that because I feel like maybe that has to do with coaching. I, I mean, if they saw a different coach, do you think he sees a little bit better? I mean, he's not. He's not. He's playing just a shade over 18 minutes. A game. Yeah, I, I definitely think he's a guy that needs more ice time to get in a rhythm. I think when he's hot, he's one of the hottest players in the league, and I, I, I don't think he's been giving been given the opportunity to get real hot this year. Uh, I'm not worried. Production this year, as far as lack of production, isn't going to worry me too much. I'm not going to get caught up in a whole lot of things, just like a lot of Detroit fans probably aren't. You know, like when you see Philip Sedina score, you get excited, not we need more of that yeah. because it doesn't matter this year. Uh, I think the health of Patrick Kane, the health of Alex Brinkett, the development of the young players like Kirby Doc are the most important thing right now. And getting out of the season unscathed is, is where your focus has to be. This, I mean, it's a bummer. We've talked about it. Like who would have thought – a decade ago, you know, as this decade comes to a close, we've been doing a lot of reflecting on the last 10 years and 10 years ago, we never would have thought we'd, I never would have thought I'd be recording a podcast with the Red Wings fans and fan. And we'd have to talk about how bad our teams are. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quickly how things can change within a day. I mean, even the Kings for the better part of the beginning of the decade were strong, but I do want to bring up some silver lining as far as the Blackhawks, because you talked about it. Uh, before the season started, uh, they got Laner, and he's he's splitting games half and half with Crawford so far. They've each started 16 games, and I mean Laner's playing pretty well. I mean his goals against is 2.86, but he's got a 9.26 save percentage, and he's he's outplaying Crawford. And you'd mentioned before the season that kind of getting Laner kind of opens the door for Crawford to leave Chicago. Are you still on board with that? Ah, uh, yeah, I. I wouldn't be too upset if Crawford retired after this year. I think his production shows that – I mean, I, I wouldn't have been upset with Corey Crawford if he would have retired when he got hurt last year. I think we we saw – and I don't want to get into it on an easygoing episode as far as Tim Thomas. What we saw or what we heard from Tim Thomas was horrifying. And – Anybody who deals with head injuries knows how scary it is and how you can lose your love for the game. I don't want Corey Crawford to have to talk about in six, seven years how he hated hockey because he forgot where his keys were every morning or he couldn't remember where he put his shoes. I don't want that from any player ever. It's unavoidable, but I think Corey Crawford is in a position where a lot of people would understand him having to walk away from the game and I think from a production standpoint and a health standpoint, I think it's I think it's time. Yeah, I would. Uh, I've never been a, and obviously I don't. I don't hold any grudges against Blackhawks players as much as I don't like the team. But I've never been a Corey Crawford fan. Um, I, I and I like Laner on the Blackhawks, honestly. Yeah, I think he's good, and he. It's funny, we you know Robin Laner has had some pretty incoherent interviews, especially over the last year. But he's a big mental health advocate, and I wonder what sort of relationship these guys have, and if Laner's been in Crawford's ear at all about things like that. 
you know. Yeah. And and now that the Tim Thomas knew for anyone that didn't see it, like I said, I'm not gonna dissect the whole statement, but Tim Thomas, former Bruins goalie, won the cup with them in 2011. He just came out and said that head injuries basically ruined his life for a while. And he's he still struggles with it today, but he's trying to trying to find an avenue where he can be not only helpful but be live a happy life. And you know, he didn't he didn't so much blame hockey for destroying in the inside of his skull, but he did, you know, mention the reasons for some of his his health issues that and they were related to hockey. So that part of it sucks. But yeah, as far as the Blackhawks, uh, my hopes have been dashed, my dreams have been destroyed, and uh, Patrick Kane and Alex Brinkett are are good players, so I'm okay with that for now. <laughs> for now, uh, Tampa Bay's looking okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean that's basically. I mean, we've been kind of keeping an eye on them going up and down, like they're five, four, and one. But they beat a, a good Bruins team, like we were just talking about. Getting, I think. I mean, do you think Steven Stamkos is? See, my dog's tail is wagging so hard it's shaking the couch. So if you can hear that, that's what it is. Steven Stamkos never really gets talked about as underrated, but when I see him score, I Twitter kind of goes silent. Like no one talks about. I, do people not like talking about Steven Stamkos? I've never understood that. Yeah, I don't know if because um, already has gone under the radar, and I don't know if it has to do with people just had such high expectations because he was playing so well for a period of time, and now it's it's kind of been the spotlight's kind of been stolen by Kucherov and the production he's put up, and then even Braden Point was making some noise, even though he hasn't put up production this year. But I just th- I I think the Lightning. Just absolutely biffing it in the first round of the playoffs last year kind of just put them on the back burner for everyone. That's fair. Because I I look at Stamkos, he's got 29 points in 27 games. He leads the team in goals. He's shooting 15%, and he's almost 60% from the faceoff dot. He's got 12, 12 seven of his 12 or 13 goals have been on the power play. He's got 12 overall power play points. I feel like he's been probably their best player this year. I mean, Kucherov still leads the team in points. He's got 33 and 29. Or 33 points in 29 games, 10 goals, 23 assists. But Steven Sankos, like I said, after watching their last couple games, he definitely, as far as the eye test, feels like their most their best player, I should say. Yeah. But they their production is this this might be the weirdest story of the year that gets talked about for like a week at a time, and then we kind of wait and see what the the lightning do, and then we look at the standings again, and it's like, oh yeah, they like we saw them, you know, they won two in a row, but we look at their last ten, they're five, four, and one, which is the the case right now. They've gotten that goal differential up to plus thirteen, and they're only which is crazy. They're only four points out of a wild card, but one point behind Montreal, three points behind Buffalo, who we were talking about as an emerging team in the East. I, yeah, no, you're right. I think the playoffs last year kind of told everyone, 
yeah, just you know, we'll see if Tampa can get out of the first round because they obviously they've been to a cup, they've been to two conference finals, but seeing them play so well last year and that be the end result going into this year, people are like, yeah, they'll probably be good, but we'll have to wait and see. Now it's yeah, they're not playing great. So if they make the playoffs, we'll expect them to lose in the first round. If they don't make the playoffs, we saw what happened to them in the first round. It won't totally surprise us. Yeah, they've got a big game tonight. They're at home against the Capitals. I believe that's tonight. And which we do you think if you're going to put your Lightning hat on for a second and be a Lightning fan? That is a big game. If they can win that, are you? Do you have hope? Because I I feel like that could be a turning point. I, obviously, anytime you could beat the Capitals, it feels good. You're right. Yeah, I, I think beating the Capitals give gives teams. Yeah, I guess hope would be the right word, and it maybe for for teams that are on the fence of are we good or bad, that would help you kind of believe, I guess, that you are good. I'm just trying to see if any bad teams have beat the Capitals this year because. I mean, Arizona, we think is good. Montreal beat Washington. So some bad teams have beat Washington this year. But I think in the – for the Lightning, I think beating the Capitals is where you hang your hat right now and say, okay, we can hang with the big boys. I think I think winning a close game against the Capitals is more important than going out and beating them 5-1. to one. Because – Hitting some sort of adversity going into a big game like that and showing that you can hang around for 60 minutes, 60 plus, if it comes to that, and still pull out a win against the team is the best team in the league right now. I think bar none, Washington has shown that they are the best team in in hockey. That would be something that Lightning fans can can hang their hat on. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. I mean, I... The lightning. I mean, yeah. Where? How did we such, get here? Like, yeah, it's just such an anomaly. Like, so I think we can end on the oddities that have been the last week. As we recorded our last episode, Pete DeBoer got fired. Which that's right. Not, that happened right in the middle of the episode. Yep, which was a hockey decision. There's, you know, they've lost since that firing. So he's not. They're not going to join the ranks of Calgary, who turned it around after losing their head coach. I think that's just, I think the Sharks are who, who they are right now. I don't think any coach is going to turn them around. They're three, six and one over the last 10 on a four game losing streak. Uh, Pete DeBoer might've been a scapegoat for what has been horrific goaltending, but I mean, I'm sure he did everything he could in the sense that he told Martin Jones that you have to stop the puck. And Martin Jones, apparently, that's just not resonating with him. <laughs> and, and Aaron Dell also sucks. Aaron Dell shouldn't even be a backup goalie anywhere. Martin Jones might be a, de- a serviceable backup in some places, but he definitely shouldn't be a starting goaltender for a team with a, with a pretty piss-poor defense, which, again, they have Eric Carlson and Brent Burns. That's weird to say, but they have piss-poor defense. And Martin Jones isn't benefiting from that for sure, uh, but the Sharks – have no hope as long as Aaron Dell and Martin Jones are their goalies. Yeah, that's a rough look because I was trying to think, um, obviously with the Borgon, does does new coach help anything? 
in a sense that it helped St. Louis last year. And I just don't, you're right. I think the goaltending is just so atrocious that you got to, you got to fix that problem first as as a Sharks fan, I think. Yeah. And they're, it's all facets of the game. Like their, their power play sucks, which is probably a Pavelski issue. If I had to guess, I mean that he was, he was the guy getting directly in front of the net on their, on their PP one line. But only so many things can can go wrong, and you can have – Evander Kane is leading their team with 10, 10 power play points for the season. It's just – it doesn't get worse. You know, we're talking about the, the Lightning as a team, you know, who lost in the first round, and we weren't sure what to expect other than them probably being pretty good and, and making the playoffs. Now we're not so sure. It, it's – Definitely feasible to think that the Lightning are going to make the playoffs. I would be shocked if the Sharks are able to to turn this around. Yeah, they've been and they've been streaky because I, I remember I can't remember if it was about a week, two weeks ago when we talked about the Sharks and they were on. I want to say they're like eight one and one or something like that in their last ten. Now they've lost six in a row, so it's just it's just very roller coaster like season, and they have the best penalty kill in the league. And if they didn't have that, they'd be, you know, near the devils, I think in the Red Wings at the bottom of the league. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, they only, I mean, they only have two, two more points than the Blackhawks and four more points than the Kings in the West. That just, that just shows you how, how bad they are. They do have 13 more points than the, than the Red Wings. So let's, let's be a little gentle on the shark. No, I'm just kidding. But it's, <laughs> it's been brutal from top to bottom for the Sharks. I don't think a new coach is going to help this season. And I don't think any coach can help what what's going on there from as far as defensive zone back to goaltending. I mean, they're not scoring a ton of goals either. Let's not absolve the offense of any responsibility, but they have more goals than the teams behind them. But they also have – I mean, Anaheim has two less points than them. They have nine less goals for – but the Sharks have 120 goals against. Anaheim has 94. Chicago has 103. The Kings have 104. Wait, the Sharks have 120 goals against? That's only 11 less than the Red Wings. Yeah. That's bad. Six more it. than the Devils. Yeah, it's it's horrifying. They're minus 28. Yeah, they, they suck. Uh, on, the, on the other end, Dallas, I mean, they lost in overtime last night to the our Vegas Golden Knights. But thank God Max Pacioretty scores that overtime winner. Needed that in fantasy. Uh, the Stars have been, you know, whatever since Montgomery got fired. We still don't know why Jim Montgomery was fired. Will we, will we ever know? We have to. I was thinking to. about there's that the no other day. no way we never find that out. Right? I mean, right? Like, there's... We Is have it, do you think it's like... Do you think it comes from like a... Uh, how do I want to say a statement from either him or the team, or do you think it's like leaked news at some point? I think whoever the prosecutor is for his case that is clearly waiting to go to trial <laughs> is going to make a statement and we're going to find it out because that's the only thing that makes sense as far as why we don't know why he was fired. Yeah, because they said it was, you know, obviously we, we mentioned it, it wasn't part of the four point plan that the, the NHL was talking about. And, People make mistakes, and it's not often that you make a one-off mistake that's fireable. So it's just, it's just, it's just so many questions. 
Yeah. It's, I, I hope we find out just so, because I don't want Jim Montgomery to get hired by another team and say, oh, well, it must not have been that bad. And then we find out the reason a few years later, and it was that bad. Yeah. You know, like these coaches that are getting fired for these terrible, terrible things that they've done or been involved in deserve to be blacklisted. If Jim Montgomery deserves to be blacklisted, I think not only the NHL owners, GMs, and everyone in the front offices deserve to know, I think as far as fans, we have, you know, a little bit of a right to know. I'm not saying we should be, you know, the the reason that they tell people what happened, but it it is just the weirdest coach. I mean, the Babcock and Peter stuff is disgusting, but it it was weird in the sense that you're grown men and you thought this was okay. Yeah. This is a different type of weird. And I, that's, that plays into why we're so damn curious as fans, because you're right. We have a, we have a right to, we just want to know if we can get behind this guy, if he's still looking for a job or if we can't, that's, that's really what it boils down to. Can we be on Montgomery's side if he's looking for employment elsewhere in the NHL or do we collectively want to be like, never let this guy in the league again. And that's just what we want to know. Yeah. Like if they if they found a like a bag of crystal meth in his desk at the at the practice arena, that's I mean I could probably get past that if that's why he was fired. But there are a lot of things as far as recent coach firings that we can't get past and shouldn't get past. And if it's if it's along the lines of those types of things, then we we should absolutely know so we can do what Twitter does and bury this. <laughs> But uh, yeah, but Montgomery aside, I mean the Stars are they're fifth in the West. They've they got forty points right there with the Jets and the Oilers. They've got a game in hand on the Oilers. Um, the Jets have a game in hand on the Stars, but they're I mean they're they're making their case they, as for as much as they struggled at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean we're we're living large right now as team as far as teams we uh, have been on board with, I guess you could say Colorado. Obviously we just, we love the talent there leading the central. You have been sending love letters to Jordan Bennington since last season. They're still got one back yet. <laughs> they're still second in the central. You thought Winnipeg was going to be good this year. Third in the central Edmonton still second in the Pacific Calgary, right up there, Dallas, Vegas, and Vancouver's only a few points out of a wild card spot. And we, we're, we're a pretty smart little podcast. If I had to say so myself. Yeah, I like the uh, other than other than the way the Blackhawks, but yeah, I like the way the West is shaping up. Yeah, it's been it's been fun, and there's a lot to watch. But first, first and foremost, we got to keep an eye on Taylor Hall, and hopefully, uh, by the time we record our next episode, Taylor Hall will be either an Arizona Coyote or a Colorado Avalanche. Oh, oh that'd be God. fun. Oh man, if he was a Colorado, what if he just? I mean, if he went to the Flames too, I guess that'd be huge. Because they've still won seven in a row. They haven't lost since we recorded our last episode either. I'm just really on board with talking about Taylor Hall not in a Devils uniform, honestly. I think it'd just be a lot of fun. Yeah, we have this weird thing in hockey where we we feel so bad for certain players <laughs> in in uniforms that or for teams that are just bad. Yeah. Except nobody feels bad for Dylan Larkin. That's the weird thing. Like he could probably be a pretty good player somewhere else, but maybe because it's t- he's from down the road. We, we yeah, don't my, think about him in other places. My fellow Red Wings fans might be upset, but I, t- I just think Larkin might have been overrated from the beginning. Oh, yeah, I 100% agree with you. So, you, yeah, you don't have to feel too bad about that. I think 
And my problem is, and I guess this would be name dropping, uh, but his, like his older brother, like we, we, me and my friends group know Dylan, like and play pond hockey with Dylan. And a lot of my friends with the high school with them. And he's a hometown kid, literally from my hometown. So I think a lot of people are supporting their friend, which is what you're supposed to do. Granted, those those same people don't retweet this podcast, so fuck them. But if you're gonna if you're gonna support your friend, <laughs> that's the way you do it, and you you know you maybe end up overrating the guy. That's that's how it goes. So I mean, they did the same thing with DeKaiser when he was showing signs of being good. I mean, Detroit ends up with a lot of people from the Detroit area on their team. Yeah, that's the, and that was a downfall. And it's like even Abdicator, he played at Michigan State. Yeah, and- Riley uh, Riley Smith played at Michigan State, I think. Or yeah. or Bre- not Riley Smith, Brendan Smith. Brendan Smith, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how things play out for our for our heroes. But maybe this season we uh we just kind of hang up the uh the skates for the Blackhawks and Red Wings. <laughs> but this was this was fine. I don't I don't feel like I don't have veins popping out of my forehead. I'm not mad about anything. This it's nice to just be able to do a, a lighthearted Saturday episode. So, like I said, let let us know how you guys if you enjoyed this or if you want us to get mad and do twenty segments and <laughs> do our usual shtick as far as the weekday episodes. Do we miss anything though? I don't think we miss anything. Just a lot of games to watch today. A lot of games. What do you? What's your? Okay, so we'll end on this because we usually do. What are you watching this weekend? What are you watching tonight? Uh, I'm gonna watch. Well, you know what? Buffalo is oh they're they're playing right now. Yeah. So I guess they're I'll tired. throw that on right after. But yeah. uh yeah, I'm gonna watch that Lightning Capitals game like I mentioned. I think that's a big game and then I kinda wanna see the Leafs Oilers game, but they put there at the same time, so I don't know how I'm gonna make that work. We'll throw up one on your laptop, one on your TV. Your problem solver. I, I do what I can. Uh yeah, Toronto Edmonton is definitely Gonna be a good game. Boston, Florida, and Washington, Tampa. That's where my loyalty lies tonight. As far as I'm also gonna throw that Sabres game on because that uh that's probably going to overtime. The second period just ended. It's one one. Yeah, that game's definitely going to overtime. So hopefully it ends before a shootout. Uh, like <laughs> I said, this was fun. We thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to check out at Belly Up Podcasts on Twitter. I always forget that. That Twitter. Yeah, I think handle. you got it right. Uh, for Maria, for at Belly Up Zach Mac, I'm at Belly Up KJ. Thank you guys so much for spending your Saturday with us, and we'll talk to you next week. Have a nice weekend. We saw no light. We saw no signal. Be sure to follow your hosts on Twitter at Gearholtz underscore K, at Belly Up Zach Mac, and at Puck Puck Pass Pod.